Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Jacques Driesang, and he is the, I guess, curator, I guess you want to call it, the Kentish, the Formula Ford podcast. Welcome to the show, Jacques. Thank you, Steve. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I know the last time I was on, we were talking about a wily new rookie to the NASCAR circuit named uh, uh, Kyle Larson, and uh, I guess I'm coming at the tail end to say goodbye to it. So <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a few years since I've joined you. Well, welcome to the show. We certainly appreciate it. And of course, Formula Ford's been around uh, since 1967 and has been uh, a strong series for uh, drivers working their way up through the ranks uh, in, in on the open wheel side and uh, kind of walk us through uh, Formula Ford and how that came about and where it is today. Absolutely. Well, in the, in the 1960s in the UK, Formula Junior was a, a massive class and um, it became a class over here um, in, the, in the early 60s as well. But they found that that the Formula Junior motors, they were just trying to get too much out of them. They were they were basically 1.1 to 1.3 liter motors, and uh, it was hard to get parts for, and they just weren't reliable. And uh, there was there were a few driver schools in the UK that were trying to find a, a car, a motor that would work well um, to kind of teach young talent. And uh, they developed they kind of took a, a motor out of a, out of a Ford Cortina and put it in. That was a, a six a 1.6 liter motor. And uh, in 1967, those school cars were kind of used in the, in the first few races, and it kind of kind of swept the, the UK. And by 1968, a few of those Lotuses and Gemini chassis came over here with with the early Cortina motors, and then later on the, the Ford Kent motor, uh, which became a mainstay in many of Ford's products out of the UK and here in the US, um, kind of took over. And by 1969, it, it was a national class here in the US, and the, the first Formula Ford champion here was none other than Skip Barber, who uh, made it to Formula One and also started a, a massive driving school in his own right, um, and which is still around today in name, but not, not under Skip's ownership. So. Yeah, so that makes sense now. The name of the podcast, of course, is the Kentish Podcast. Yeah, I'm a bit tongue-in-cheek with things. You know, it started, it started with the Cortina, then it became uh, mainly Kent, and, you know, 95% of Formula Fords you'll see are Kent-powered, but um, in, in 2009, Honda uh, introduced the Fit Motor to Formula Ford Racing, and SCCA mm-hmm. bid on it, and, uh, and thus many of the modern cars are now Honda-powered, and they're fuel-injected, while the rest of us are carbureted. And if you think that's a one-to-one deal, uh, <laughs> I got some oil to sell you. 
but it uh, that's why I went with Kentish. You know, I I couldn't figure out a good name for it, and and me kind of hosting this podcast, um, I I, I kind of want to chronicle history. I know you and I are both fans of of the history of sports, and when it comes to the history of Formula Ford, I mean, there's some big names. Uh, we celebrated two of their lives this week, both Roland Rassenberger and Ayrton Senna were Formula Ford graduates. Um, Roland was a winner of the 1986 Formula Ford Festival. And for those of listeners of yours who don't know what the Formula Ford Festival is, if you know what the Chili Bowl is, if you know what the Snowball Derby is in the, those respective uh, arenas of the sport, the Formula Ford Festival takes place at Brands Hatch in the U.K., and, you know, up until a few years ago, you'd have in the upper hundreds of, of drivers competing to try to win overall. Um, and I guess a kind of a side goal of this podcast is I, I want to spark interest so we can have something like that here in the U.S., kind of a, a Formula Ford Festival of its own right here, um, celebrating the history of the sport. Um, you know, because there's modern cars, there's vintage cars, and then there's kind of some tweeners that kind of fit in the middle. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously the majority of Formula Ford racing here in the United States takes place in the vintage uh, uh, organizations where we'll have in the upwards of 50 cars on a grid. And in the, in the two main races I ran, ran last year in Monterey, California, we had 57 cars in my class. And at the Formula Ford 50th, which was at Road America and organized by Steve Beeler with the VSCDA, uh, there were 73 cars in my class. And uh, and that's you know when you show up and you have a grid like that, you know that it's that it's a competitive, healthy class. Um, and and obviously uh, the the big thing about Formula Ford is, especially in the vintage realm, it's it's a lot of fun to race with. Um, and no matter what, you're going to have somebody to run with, and you can do it very affordably. Well, then I think that's the that that's the big draw to it is is you know we I think a lot of us know what Formula V is, and the Formula V is a kind of a beginner series. Mm-hmm. Which is which? Well, explain you. You could probably explain it better than I can. What a Formula V is. Yeah, yeah. So Formula V um, utilizes a lot of the components of a Volkswagen, um, and, and I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not the biggest expert on it. Um, but there are a lot more components from a Volkswagen uh, Beetle chassis that are utilized to make a Formula uh, V, whether it be suspension along with motor. Whereas Formula Ford, it's a Ford motor. Um, and then a uh, purpose-built Formula chassis. And, and the two chassis I run, I run a, a Dan Gurney All-American Racers Eagle chassis, which was built in Santa Ana, California, in 1977 and 78, um, by Dan Gurney's wonderful group at All-American Racers. And the other chassis I run is called an Elden Mark 10, which was developed in the U.K. by the Elden Cars Company. And, uh, and both of those cars are, are somewhat historic in their own right, but... Um, they basically started a formula class around a motor, and all these, these formula car companies kind of bid on and said, oh, we can make a thing out of that, similar to you know what your previous caller said about what the, the Cosworth DFV did in the 1970s for Formula One racing. Um, it, it allowed manufacturers to come about and the chassis and the things to make a, a competitive package. And, and in Formula Ford, um, there aren't too many packages that can't be made winners, both in vintage racing and modern. So it's it's very a it's very much so a a competitive class um, no no matter where you're at on things. So. Yeah, and I think it, it it's it's a racy it's a racy series, and, and one of the drawbacks I mean, Formula V is it was an excellent way to get into the series, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of people, especially if you had the talent, uh, Formula V, you were like, okay, I, okay, I got this. Okay, it's, let's let's move up 
to the next class. So I guess uh, I guess my question is, so would a lot of Formula V drivers then jump up to Formula Ford? Was that the natural progression? Well, it kind of depended on the person back in the day. And especially here in the United States, um, you had a few drivers that did that, but a lot of people looked at Formula V and Formula Ford kind of on the same parallel, where you'd it would be very stiff competition, and it's not like you could buy race wins. That the motors are very similar, the chassis, you know, you're you're going to have to go through it and, and make sure it's set up to to each track. But um, the the big thing was, um, you know, just getting through and 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 making making it work for you. So so when you, when you look at both classes were beginners classes, if you will, um, you know, and then you jump jump up to a wing car, whether it be an FF two thousand or, or whatever. Um, but back in the day, anybody who was anybody started out in Formula Ford. And my guest last week was none other than the 1996 Park PPG champion Jimmy Vassar, who got his start in a Crosley 32 in the, in the early 80s uh, Formula Ford car. Um, and he actually still has his championship car from the 1986 runoff, the Swift DB1. Um, and obviously that, that says something when, when you keep your Formula Ford that you started with all these years later, and, and yet you also went on to win an IndyCar championship. Um, so, uh, you know, Formula Ford's got a special place in my heart because so many people came out of Formula Ford, whether it be Greg Moore or uh, uh, Mark Blundell, Damon Hill. Of course, he started on motorbikes, but he was a mainstay of Formula Ford in the late 80s. Um, it's just a very fun class, and it, it's one of those – there are so many Formula car classes nowadays, uh, it, it's hard to keep track, mm-hmm. whereas Formula Ford was the class back in the day, and I feel like it's increasing in popularity, especially in vintage, because it's – uh, for those of us who know that we're not going to be professional racers anymore, it's a wonderful place to be. There's a lot of camaraderie. Um, it's very competitive. We're still we're still topping out. You know, at, like Road America, we're, we're doing 135 miles an hour in a straight line. And while that might not be that might not be a GT1 car fast, um, it's one of those things. If you're doing if you're doing that speed in a car that that's its maximum, you're trying to maximize every turn and keep up roll speed. Um, it is an absolute delight, and I feel like that is one of the things that have made it so attractive and so memorable for so many racers going through the grid through the years. Well, and I, I think there's a couple of things about that class that actually kind of makes you a better driver, too, is, one, it doesn't have aerodynamic uh, aids to it. There's no wings, no ground effects to it. And uh, I've heard this about classes like this, where at some of the higher classes, or if you go to like a, a, a GT style car, like you mentioned, or or something like that, you can you can use that power to overcome your mistakes. But with Formula Ford, you certainly have to uh, be very tidy in your driving. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean the, the most important part of the package is literally the the, the piece that's got the overalls on. Um, you know, unless it's a track like Road America where the straights are extra long, where a car that's slightly slimmer might pull through. If, if you're on a full schedule and in, run, in running uh, tracks all around the country, it's it's literally that the cream of the crop is, is going to rise, um, you know, it, all things being equal. Um, obviously, bud, budgets may, may uh, vary, but um, it's it's been a, a very big focal point in drawing out talent through the years. Um Anybody who's anybody who came up the ladder and did did well in Formula Ford usually did well down the road. We're we're talking with uh, Jacques Dreesing, who has a podcast. It's called the Kentish, the Formula Ford podcast, 
and it's pretty interesting because uh, you, you you get some pretty pretty big players on there and pretty interesting people, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Jimmy Vassar. But who are some of the other people you've had so far on this podcast? Well, uh, the first uh, – I can actually go in order. I, I kind of have them memorized here. The, the first uh, gentleman who I had on was Reed Hazleton. He's a local racer here out of Milwaukee. Um, who has been uh, a big-time race winner. He's finished second at the runoff multiple times and, and is a great uh, great personality. We also had um, Ethan Shippard out of California, who, is, uh, who lived in Wisconsin for a long time but now has a prep shop out in, in Sears Point. Episode three was Sam Smith, who was previously of Road and Track, but now he is with Haggerty, writing for them. And, uh, and of course, he can be seen on NBC Sports Network um, uh, uh, he's got a show on there, um, and as well, we had Brian Cohn, who's a racer out of St. Louis. Uh, we had Jimmy Vassar. So we, we've kind of um, we've started out very strong, um, but I've worked I work for an essential business, so my time in the past weeks has kind of been uh, slimline, working long, long days. But uh, my goal for 2020 is I have 43 names I want to interview. Uh, some of them being relatively unknown by people, and some of them being very, very well known. And uh, you know, as I realized in my time of the sport, we're all just humans. I mean, the the whole uh, you know fanboying out thing really isn't a thing for me. I, I, I understand racers; we're all kind of the same. Um, it's just some of us made it further, and, and obviously, the people I want to interview are, are kind of the, the the high high-powered characters of the sport who I know are going to be able to tell a good story. And, and with it brings some understanding of, in Formula Ford, it could have been you or me as well. Yeah, it certainly is. You know, and, and I'd rather talk to somebody that's a little bit less known that's a better interview than mm-hmm. a, a superstar that maybe is not a, gr- a better interview. And, yeah, we, and we, yeah. we've, we've had this on, on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan, where you know there, there are certainly people that are throughout football or baseball or that that, you know, those are, you know, I'd rather talk to a guy who has a lot to say than mm-hmm. a bigger guy who doesn't have a lot to say, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's one thing. No matter who I interview, I always ask one particular question, and that is, in your time in the sport, who who is the unknown who could have, should have, would have made it and was maybe more talented than you? And I know that, you know, Steve, you and I know each other well. I know there's 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 some people that, that we have a fondness for who may not have been in the racing or the sport of racing very long or or maybe their their time was tragically shut, cut short. But I almost like talking about those people more um, than, you know, your Michael Schumachers or whomever. Um, I just feel that there's a bit more to it that that, that story that's left unfinished is, I feel, the, the depth of that, it's just, it, it's more what do I want to say? It's more magnetic to me. And, um, obviously those are the names that I'm always drawn to. Yeah. And you know, it's so many are like that. And, and you, you look at, well, like Roland Ratzenberger, you know, people have been talking about him because of you know, the weekend that happened at, at Imola and he certainly was an up and coming driver. I don't know if he would have been world champion because of the politics involved, but mm-hmm. he certainly was a very talented driver and was certainly deserving of, of an upper echelon ride. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's just, there's so many drivers, you know, especially if you go back to the sixties and seventies, where it certainly was more dangerous time as opposed to 1994. But yeah, there, there's certainly drivers like that, 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 that unfortunately didn't make it to various reasons, whether it's, uh, 
um, you know, politics or unfortunately uh, fatality. And you know, there are certain uh, drivers out there that are still around there that are interesting. Uh, and who, who who are some of the ones that that some of the other ones that that we might see on this podcast? Well, I've been in talks with with some people. I know that uh, the founder of Racer Magazine, Mr. Paul Fanner, um, and he'll always say he's a he's a, a, a co-starter of that. But uh, Paul raced Formula Fords in the '70s, and and has a huge you know he'll always kind of talk it down because he's a very humble guy. But he's 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 done a lot to help many people in their careers. But I want to talk with him about his time in Formula Ford. Um, Obviously, there, there's a Formula One driver who never quite made it in Formula One, and it wasn't because of his skill level. It was just because of, as we, what you said, politics, and that being Tommy Byrne. I'd like to have Tommy on this year. And there, there's also some people, some very big unknowns who – it's, it's one of those when, when you're trying to find people, and, and you, you know this, obviously. When, when you're trying to dive through history and going through phone books and trying to find people from the past, Sometimes you find people who aren't really willing to open up or might be kind of shy, but you know that once you pry that lid open, you're going to get stories that no one's heard. And I know there's two or three of those racers in the annals of Formula Ford that I've, I've reached out to, and, and they've been very tentative thus far. But I know that, you know, through friends of friends, I think we can, we can make uh, Kentish very popular very quick by just the personalities and the stories being told. And I, and I feel like, during this uncertain time, this, you know, when I got back from Amelia Island this year, we had, we had one of our Eagles on display down there. I kind of jumped all in on Kentish because I knew there's going to be a lot of people sitting at home and with not much to do. And if I can add just a splinter of, of, of interest in, 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 in this area of the sport and just in the personalities of people out there, and then I'll feel pretty happy with it. And, and obviously the feedback I've received thus far has been pretty positive. Um, I got to work on my uh, my microphone, you know, so it doesn't sound like I'm talking through a tin can. But uh, other than that, uh, every guest I've had on has been just absolutely brilliant. So. We're, ta- we're talking with Jacques Driesing, uh with his podcast, the Kentish, the Formula Ford podcast. And what's the easiest way to get that podcast? Absolutely. Um, if you go to podbean.com and type in Kent, like Clark Kent, and then dash I-S-H, so Kentish, um, you'll find me. So it's kentish.podbean.com. Also, if you look up the Formula Ford podcast on Facebook, you will find us on there. Um, I usually drop a photo the day before an episode goes up uh, of, a, of a driver in the past, and I don't say who it is, but I'll, I'll kind of share something about them, and then the next day it usually pops up, and uh, off we go. Very good. Appreciate you taking time out, Jacques. And, uh, you know, and, you know, with, with this – you know, we're we're in. You and I are both fans of this one. I gotta say, the uh, the official podcast uh, of of the Final Inspection Show is Dinner with Race. We certainly appreciate the things that they do uh, on that show. But you know, there there's you know, I always said you know the the the, the internet is ninety five percent crap, but it's that five percent that really makes it worth it. While there's a lot of garbage podcasts out there, but. Uh, I, I think uh, yours is part of that five percent that, that, that on, to, on the top. That's really good, and we certainly appreciate you, you uh, taking time out on the show today. Okay, thank you very much for your kind words. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 